Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio. I am your host, Phil Evans, coming at you live from the studios at 3CR in Nam in the Kulin Nations, also known as Melbourne. Um, paying our respects to all elders out there, past, present and emerging, as we come out on the radio waves on this very chilly but very sunny Melbourne morning. Um, today is a interesting show. We're going to be talking uh, about the Murray-Darling Basin, um, all the things that are going on around there, and also talking a little bit Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So joining me in just a minute, we're going to have Megan Williams from Friends of the Earth's River Country Campaign, but we'll be back in just a second. <laughs> 3CR is in the running to receive nearly $100,000 to help us retrofit our station for greater accessibility. That means better handrails, doors, taps, ramps. And more to provide improved access for everyone. But we need your support. Do you live within 5 kilometres of the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy? If you do, you're eligible to vote for us. Our project is part of the Victorian State Government's Pick My Project scheme. And you can jump online and vote for 3CR's Community Radio Accessibility Project by going to 3cr.org.au. It's only with your vote that we can receive this important funding to make our station more accessible. Yeah, so jump onto that Pick My Project site. Um, the 3CR upgrade is urgently needed, and that $100,000 you know will go towards bringing you wonderful shows like Nerd Radio and many, many more. Um, the program actually allows you to vote for three different projects, um, and a couple of Friends of the Earth and our friends around in the Grassroots Network have projects up as well. So if you're looking for other places to put your vote alongside 3CR, um, check out the Solar Health Service services from the Healthy Futures uh, Friends of the Earth Australia affiliate. Um, They're looking for funds that's going to help make our medical system and health services a lot more friendly and renewable and better for the environment because, of course, climate change is a key driver in many health issues. Also, check out um, Green Music Australia have a project up called uh, the Wash Against Waste Truck. Um, If you look for that one, you'll see that the plan is to go around to lots of festivals and um, different events and have a truck available that um, encourages the uh, stopping the use of single-use plastics, which is really exciting stuff as well. And also check out there is a Solar Communities uh, concerts series put up by um, Izzy Brown, of course, of Combat Wombat fame, to make sure that communities have access to great music, great art, powered by renewable energies. I love it. 
So today on the show, we're going to be talking about the Murray-Darling Basin, the river, and all things wonderfully stream-like and river-like, maybe? <laughs> um, so joining me in the studio today is Megan Williams, who is the Friends of the Earth's uh, River Country Coordinator. Morning, Megan. Good morning. Um, and how are you today? Uh, I'm very well. My finger's defrosted after riding here. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to first start off by finding out a little bit about how you got involved in the River Country campaign. Yeah, so um, I guess we might have to take a step back to tell that story and how I got involved at Friends of the Earth. Mm-hmm. So I got involved while I was at uni. I was doing environmental science and social science and I stumbled across Friends of the Earth as somewhere to um, get some volunteering skills mm. and really just to buff up my resume because I was terrified <laughs> of not um, of not getting a job when I finished uni. Um, and turns out I didn't want to leave. So, yeah. Um, and when I finished, I got a job as an environmental scientist for an engineering firm, mm. um, taking samples like soil samples and water samples and testing things for contamination. Um, and I was kind of broken down by being part of the neoliberal system. You know, everything Mm. was profit driven. I didn't feel like, you know, I was going to terribly contaminated places, but not feeling like I was making a difference. Mm. And, um, I was just forever reminiscing about all my good days at Friends of the Earth and how we do things so much better. Oh, the glory days, (laughs) those halcyon days. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, so when the opportunity came up to... Uh, to work for River Country, I sort of grabbed it with both hands, uh, able to put those um, those skills that I learned at Friends of the Earth earlier and also the testing skills. So mm. we'd love to go out and do um, testing of the water and, you know, see if what kind of chemicals are in the river and what kind of um, environmental parameters are changing But thanks to the way that we're managing the system. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a it's an inspiring story to hear someone who um, is working for positive change um, in the field that they they study and, and and actually have like expertise in as well. I mean, being driven by passion is a wonderful and admirable thing, and, and I'm not putting that down in any sort of way. But being driven by a scientific understanding and a passion is a pretty unique thing. Mm, mm. Well, it's definitely passion driven, and um, yeah, I guess the what makes me feel so much better when I get out of the when I get out of bed every morning now is that uh, the work I'm doing is about protecting those natural spaces, whereas before I would go to spaces that used to be beautiful country and now have contamination and you know big industrial sites on them. Um, and now I get to say no, don't make this, don't industrialize this landscape, protect it as it is. Um, it has so many values, and if it's um, being degraded it's because of our human practices elsewhere so let's fix those to protect this area um and it's uh yeah it's just a much more meaningful way to live your life <laughs> for sure um sorry my phone was just ringing in the <laughs> uh so um speaking of protecting country the uh legacy of the river country campaign is long and huge mm-hmm. um big boots to fill no yes. pressure no pressure <laughs> Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, where River Country has come from and where you're heading now? Yeah, so it's been going more than 20 years um, 
and it is a really proud, long history of fighting to protect country. We we started off um, working in solidarity with the Yorta Yorta people to protect the Barmamilua National Park. And so that was a long campaign um, to stop logging and make it a national park so that it, um, you know, is protected into the future. Uh, and from there, the campaign moved into um, demand cultural flows and demand uh, recognition for, um, you know, purposes of water other than just to grow plants, or mm. to, to grow crops or to grow forest, um, which is really how it's seen in our very limited, um, the way we view or the way our broader society views water um, is really outcome driven. So yeah, probably more than five years ago, we started talking about um, water in terms of cultural flows. Uh, and now that's come a long way. It's being talked about by all like governments at all levels and there's money committed to um, securing more cultural flows and there's still a long way to go. Mm. Um, you know, like um, one thing that I re- thought about recently is that it kind of was brought to my attention is that that water was is stolen and is continued to be stolen from ad- um, Indigenous people, mm. um, same as the land is. Um, and that's kind of where cultural flows come in. It's actually all the water is cultural flows. So mm. we're only talking about it in terms of like a small fraction of water we can give back. Mm. Um, but there's still a long way to go before we recognise that actually all of the water is cultural water. And what we do with it after that is, um, in, you know, is secondary to its cultural purposes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a really interesting way of, of thinking about that idea of um, sovereignty and and uh, and protection of land. Um, I want to jump back a little bit um, mm. more, and I, I hope I'm not taking into stranger territories, but um, I mean, one of the things that I really like about the um, the legacy of the Bama Milua um, campaign, aka River Country, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is the um, wonderful work, like um, in terms of following up on legacy. So, um, Many years ago now, I don't even, can't remember off the top of my head what year it was when the Barma Milua National Park was declared with, uh, I think it was about 180,000 hectares of um, Murray Red Grums mm. um, included in that beautiful forest. Mm. Um, the the National Park was declared, but then uh, a part of the uh, the alliance and the fight with uh, the Yorta Yorta mob up there was that um, the Indigenous protected areas needed to be funded and put in place so people could live out in country and co-manage that park. Mm. Um, those struggles continue, don't they, in terms of like uh, recognising the, the, the wealth of knowledge that um, Indigenous people have over land management issues? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um you know, our, our the management system of our government is to, um, you know, bureaucratize and break everything down into re- really finite pieces, and then forget about the bigger picture. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it is talked about, um, you know, like using Abri- or like working with Aboriginal people to use their knowledge to uh, manage the land better. Um, like you see it talked about, but no doubt it, there's so much further for it to go. Mm. Um, and, yeah, no doubt, like, because we've changed the landscape so much um, that, yeah, there's just <laughs> so many um, so many problems out there. For um, sure. Yeah. So bringing us back up to the present again, um, within the last week 
There has been a lot happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your listeners are aware we have a new Prime Minister. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think there's only been one change since last Tuesday, but I haven't checked my phone app in at least 20 minutes, so yeah. who knows? Hey, we could have another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 31, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Our dirty first. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... I know that uh, uh, Scott Morrison has come in and started talking a lot about drought, and mm. I think this issue like kind of really affects the Murray Darling um, region um, and beyond as well. Mm. Um, what sort of things are, are being spoken about in terms of the Murray Darling with the change of government? Have there been any new uh, kind of priorities or initiatives put in? Yeah, so um, when ScoMo came in, his one of his first statements was that drought was going to be the priority. Because um, 100% of New South Wales is in drought now, and much of Queensland and Victoria's heading that way. Um, and there had been calls for environmental water to be released to grow fodder to finish crops and um, to feed livestock. Um, and that environmental water uh, was bought by the taxpayer after the last drought, after the disaster of the millennium drought, Mm. um, to safeguard the environment and the landscape into the future. Um, And now Monday morning, after he gets in on Friday, that water's um, been announced that it will be sold back to farmers um, and it will be sold uh, on the market, Mm. which uh, leaves it to the market to decide, you know, the highest bidder to decide where that water's going to go. Um, so it won't necessarily be sold to the struggling farmers. Uh, it could be sold straight to big cotton or big rice growers or um, anyone else along the river. Um, so, yeah, there's no contingencies to make sure that the people who need it most will get it. Um, and there's no recognition that that environmental water had a purpose, that we bought it to um, to use to keep our ecosystems alive, to keep the river healthy, to stop problems like um, the salinity in the river getting too high and making it, um, you know, too, too salty to drink and water on crops. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a pretty poor decision in terms of uh, living long-term out in a, on a really dry continent. Yeah, for sure. So you kind of mentioned that uh, that invisible hand of the market um, mm. being like the determinant on it. But there's also another nefarious character um, who has re-entered uh, the stage and the drama that is the Murray-Darling <laughs> Basin. Um, so Barnaby Joyce um, has recently been given a bit more power around water. I'm not completely sure like what his title is or anything like that. I think his title is um, he's been brought in to handle the drought specifically directly. So we have a water minister Mm -hmm. uh, who's also the Minister for Agriculture, um, which used to be Barnaby Joyce's title before uh, scandals brought him down. God, I feel like we're catching up on Bowl and the Beauty. (laughs) (laughs) And And they were married to the National Party, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, excuse me, Um, yeah, now he's brought in to be the direct um, contact for managing drought relief. Um, which, so no surprise, the environmental water is being sold back to farmers um, and not necessarily, um, you know, the farmers in need, but big business who Mm. want to make big money um, and, you know... uh, 
it feels yeah. a bit like uh, I feel like I've got a bit of a deja vu, uh, like around um, Barnaby Joyce, environmental water, environmental water being released to farmers. Uh, mm. This happened a while ago, didn't it? Um, under Barnaby Joyce's watch, where a bunch of um, environmental water was um, released to farmers in ways that probably didn't really benefit the environment or recognise that um, those water flows had an important role to play. Yeah, well, I mean, Barnaby Joyce has been at the centre of the Basin Plan since the coalition came back in. Uh, And in that time, the environmental water had been stolen by Big Cotton uh, under his watch. Um, The the Murray-Darling Basin Authority had the guts taken out of it. Um, People had been moved on. Uh, for trying to crack down on on uh, uh, compliance in the mm. basin, um, yeah, under his watch, it really turned into the wild, wild west where people could take the environmental water um, without any um, expectation for repercussions. So, um, yeah, I mean, his role in that is at worst just an innocent. <laughs> Um, bystander allowing terrible things to happen and at worst, you know, like his intentions are to protect his mates in big business. Mm. Yeah, and it's a worry. I mean, it's it's always been a very heated issue, the Murray-Darling um, Basin issue. Um, we've seen billions and billions of dollars um, allocated and, and thrown at it for all I know. Like, <laughs> mm. I generally only ever see it in, the, in his budget lines and um, sometimes the spending can seem to happen a little bit behind darkened curtains mm. over there. Mm. Um, I know there was an attempt down in South Australia um, just as the Labor Party, uh, just before the election, um, which saw the Labor Party uh, removed from power in South Australia, call for a Royal Commission into the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. Mm. Um, that mm, a Royal Commission has gone ahead mm-hmm. um, under the new uh, Liberal stewardship, but um, has kind of been stripped back a little bit of powers. But what it has revealed has been quite disturbing. Mm. Yeah, I, the revelations that come out of it day by day are just absolutely shocking. Um, that, you know, one headline was that CSIRO was worried it wouldn't get paid um, unless it changed its data, uh, you know, so it's government interference directly with what should be an independent science organisation, you know, the most, mm. uh, the peak independent science organisation in this country. Um, <clears throat> that, yeah, that people in the Basin Authority had been moved on for trying to crack down on compliance. So people knew there was a problem and if trying to fix it cost them their jobs, mm-hmm. um, that the yeah that the water theft is is rife mm. and people knew about it and nothing was being done um and one of the more uh, other really shocking things about it is that um one that the federal government wouldn't put the royal commission in place itself um they forced south australia to do it mm. and um they have blocked uh they've blocked all federal bureaucrats from attending and giving evidence to the to the Royal Commission, um, so they just ignore their summons. <laughs> and um, the other thing that's happened is that um, that there was a request. Oh, sorry, that 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 um, case was going to the High Court about whether the federal government actually was allowed to block federal bureaucrats from going to a state Royal Commission. Which um, seems outrageous. Oh, it's absolutely outrageous. Um, it, it's what are they trying to hide? Mm. Um, but there was a request for an extension on the Royal Commission deadline 
uh, so that the higher court hearing could happen and uh, we could get more evidence from the federal bureaucrats if the high court said that they had to be summoned. Um, but the Liberal government that's just come in has refused to extend the deadline, which is um, against convention. Like, it's unheard of that they would do that. Um, so they're really, um, you know, they're, they're conspiring together to to um, stop as much evidence getting to the Royal Commission as possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't see me in the studio now, but I don't think I've ever done a bigger eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just seems absolutely outrageous that, uh, you know, like, a, you know, the idea of a Royal Commission obviously be to uh, use the highest power in the land that we can muster to um, see what is actually happening on such a, quarter, a critical issue. I mean, mm. as what it is life. Mm, uh, literally, literally, and, we, <laughs> um, and you know this is all uh, very disturbing stuff. But I want to take a little bit of a quick break and then come back and continue talking with Megan Williams, who is Friends of the Earth River Country campaign coordinator. Um, going to listen to something, uh, a bit of a CSA, and then something special, and we'll be right back with you on CR very, very soon. Well, if you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, yes, you know where you are. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. We'll check out the happy vibe. They're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to 3CR, flap your ears. What? Who the hell is that? Flap your ears. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Flap your ears. Get out. Get the hell out of here now. Well, girls, I guess it's our turn. right we've got a bit of an idea and um we want to share it with you here on uh 
on 3CR. You're listening to Dirt Radio. I am your host, Phil Evans, and I've been joined today in studio by Megan Williams, who is Friends of the Earth's River Country Coordinator, and we've been talking all things Murray-Darling Basin and beyond. So Mm -hmm. what were we just listening to, Megan? Uh, So that was I Will Survive from Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um. And, uh, yeah, because River Country is doing something very exciting in the next week. Oh, do tell, do tell. Um, We're going up to the Broken Hill Festival. So that's up in Broken Hill, which is in the (laughs) centre of the Murray-Darling Basin. It's a Priscilla Queen of the Desert-inspired drag festival. Um, And, yeah, being the centre of the basin, it's really on the front line of all of the issues that we've been talking about. Mm. Uh, the Darling River has been running dry over the last few years and it's expected to go dry again by November. Um, and uh, while we've been talking about drought and everybody's talking about drought, this has actually been happening over the last few years before the drought hit. Um, and so we're going out there to raise awareness uh, of the issues of water theft and bad management in the basin plan um, being compounded by the drought. Um, <clears throat> and we, we're going out there to do that. Uh, we're going to have a performance out on the dry or drying darling. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a crayfish and a golden perch keen to come <laughs> along with us. Uh, the, the golden perch is one of the threatened species in the basin, um, and we'll be going out uh, doing a road trip from Tolano Station, which is a sheep station on the Lower Darling, out through the Menindi Lakes, which are currently being drained. Uh, and there are Ramsar um, recognised wetland, mm. internationally recognised wetland for their environmental significance uh, that's being drained and being changed, the landscape's being changed completely uh, to save water without considering the um, the huge impact that that's going to have on this precious wetland. Um, so we're going out to do a road trip past a few sites and we're going to sing When the Rivers Run Dry uh, and I Will Survive. Ah, uh, lovely. Classics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to um, really to bring attention in a creative way to this uh, serious issue. For sure. And so if people are interested in getting involved with that at home, what should they do? Um, well, they should follow River Country on Facebook. Um, and, uh... Great. Well, we can put up the links on the 3CR Dirt Radio webpage. We'll put up links for the, uh, River Country Facebook page and some links to well towards, um, getting involved with that event. Um, more broadly, if people are interested in the issue, I know the River Country campaign meets... Every now and again? Yep, yep. We meet uh, at the moment on an irregular basis. Uh, So it's best to get in touch with me uh, directly. You can um, email me at megan.williams at foe.org.au or you can just drop past Friends of the Earth anytime. I'm there Tuesday to Thursday. Um, And, yeah, we we do lots of cheeky things uh, like going to Broken Hill with a crayfish (laughs) and and a golden perch. I'm going to be painting banners uh, up in glitter and sparkles to take along with us um, and go into the festival, handing out flyers and really raising the issue with people on the street. Um, So if anyone's got a a free weekend next weekend, we're also looking for participants to come along and be part of the the fun. So get in touch. 
Excellent. And I will put your email up on the Dirt Radio page as well. We have unfortunately hit the uh, the end of the show, though. We could probably talk for hours, and I yeah. am pretty keen to find out more. Perhaps when uh, the Broken Heel road trip happens, we might take a recorder out with us and uh, record some of the fun with us. Oh, yes. Sounds good. Um, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today, Megan. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. That was Megan Williams, River Country Coordinator at Friends of the Earth. Um, to get you a little more in inspired on our way out of the show today let's listen to one of those songs that are going to be uh performed at the broken heel festival hunters and collectors when the river runs dry 